In western lands beneath the sun, the flowers may rise in spring. The trees may bud, the waters run, the merry finches sing. Or there may be tis cloudless night, and swaying branches bear the elven stars as jewels white amid their branching hair. Though here at journey's end I lie, in darkness buried deep, beyond all towers strong and high, beyond all mountains steep, above all shadows rides the sun, and stars forever dwell. I will not say the day is done, nor bid the stars farewell. And welcome to this zero credits supplemental reading of Netflix's Fast and Furious Spy Racers. My name's John. And my name is Henry. And those immortal words serve as a fitting epigraph to inscribe to the end of this epic journey that me and my friend Henry have been on. A zero credit supplemental reading is an episode where we talk about something that's important, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Something culturally relevant or tangentially relevant to something else based on things such such time-honored traditions such as font choices. Yes, font choices indeed. If you are a big Fast and Furious Spy Racers fan, please understand that a zero-credit supplemental reading is created with the intention that you will listen to it after having experienced the thing or you just don't care about it. So we're going to spoil the end of Fast and Furious Spy Racers. And I'll say up front, I don't know if we said we were going to watch all of Spy Racers, but at the very least, we finished it. That's right, John. This is really the the thrilling conclusion of a long, a long, a time honored, long standing tradition here on Zero Credits to cover the show Fast and Furious Spy Racers on Netflix. We started just with a twinkle in our eye three long years ago, and here we are. Yes, twenty twenty three in a world unchanged. <laughs> a world I said three years ago, four long years ago. Mm. Here we are, unchanged. The world the same, having watched most a few of the episodes. We are covering the series and its finality. That's right. This is looking at yes. It is, the it is last... a matter of finality and not of entirety. <laughs> the last two episodes of Fast and Furious Spy Racers, the uh, series finale, if you will. It was a two-parter. They couldn't just do it in one for some reason. <laughs> a, a two-parter of a show that ended two years ago <laughs> that we did not realize ended two years ago. Uh, John, I don't know about you, but I've been with this series from the start. Six seasons, 52 episodes. They sure do exist, and I sure (laughs) know that. Yeah, you know, a lot of people, they have criticisms about Spy Racers. They're like, oh, I just couldn't get into the first season. But it's a classic Star Wars, Clone Wars thing. You just need to watch the first six seasons and nine episodes and then the last two really make it worth it right because then it's over and you can walk away from the series knowing that there will be no more now uh john you want to know something very funny that i noticed while watching this long-standing series Uh, i would love to did you know this shit was done by dreamworks (laughs) I had no idea. <laughs> I had no 
no idea. I feel like they didn't put their name on it until the finale. I swear to God. I I didn't even see uh, the DreamWorks logo or name on it. It was like on a car. (laughs) Incredible. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. DreamWorks Animation Television and Universal Pictures come together uh, with Netflix and also NBC Universal Television Distribution. That's right. There are four companies involved in this show. Uh, came together to really just deliver a, the time-honored tale of kids who are teenage-ish solving world uh, espionage problems with cars. Yes, <laughs> solving world problems. Also, strangely hyper-local problems for the episode we ended up watching. Now, I uh, I somewhat telegraphed what I'm about to say by saying that uh, in the intervening four years, the world is completely unchanged. Uh, that is not true for ourselves. You were in an apartment. I was in an apartment. Uh, and now you're in a house. and I'm about to be in a house. Our lives have changed. I don't know that I could say the same for the cast of Fast and Furious Spy Racers. Uh, yeah, one of the first things I noticed about the cast of the Fast and Furious Spy Racers was that they all sounded different from how I remembered them sounding. Uh, especially Frosty. I, I didn't remember Frosty sounding like that at all. It, Frosty, in particular, to me, had the most annoying voice. No shade being thrown at the VO. Um, but was this the same Frosty as season one? I don't know, but let me tell you, when this episode starts and it's a uh, main character, Toretto Tony? I believe his name is Tony. I'm actually looking at the wet Wikipedia um, to confirm that his name is Tony, because I'm not sure it was said over 44 minutes. A uh, main character, Tony, and uh, some other person are racing. <laughs> <laughs> and it started, and I was like, huh, really it feels like this episode could be immediately after the last episode we watched, which was yes. the end of the first season. Uh, yeah, the only, the only thing that stuck out to me was that in Tony Toretto's car was a a young woman by the name of, I think I finally picked it up, Sassy. I think it's Sissy? Sissy? Sassy? Sissy, Sissy. You're right. The name, her name is Sissy. And uh, for some reason, look, I'm not going to talk about the genius that is this show, but they decided, some higher-ups, some God-touched individual decided to get Sissy, who is ostensibly 12 years old, to be voiced by a 60-year-old woman. Yeah, to be voiced by I'll I'll be more I'll be more generous. To be voiced by a thirty-five-year-old woman of totally flat affect. Yes. Uh, um, once again, no shade on the no VO. Shade, no shade. Because you can only when you're a voiceover artist, you're only as good as your direction. Seriously, and uh, uh, for, it's worse than acting in that regard. One of the best things about the character of Sissy is that uh, one, she is not explained at all in the two-parter <laughs> that we watched. Uh-huh. And three, she is not listed. Oh, there she is. I actually found her in the Wikipedia. Uh, but I did you know her name was actually Simi Light Simi Similius Diesel? What? No, that's a real person. That's a real person's name. Wait, hold on. Is this person related to Vin Diesel? Is the daughter of Vin Diesel? Oh my god. 
Samila's Diesel is sissy is voiced by Vin Diesel's daughter. Incredible. We have to back up. I take back everything I said. This is great. Why does she have the voice of a 35-year-old woman? <laughs> you, you know, you just don't know. It uh I'm then, I'm certain that Samilius Samilius maybe? I I'm I, apologies. I haven't read every name in the world out loud. This is my first time coming up to uh, I mean it's it's a name you can pronounce it however you want. Semelius. Um but Semelius maybe Semelius isn't 9. <laughs> uh so maybe the the casting didn't make sense, but that's huge. That is a bombshell. That is yeah, that is a that look you're here we're breaking news here on on the on the um on on the zero credit supplemental reading of Spy Racers that Sissy Benson is voiced by Semelius Diesel, daughter of Vin Diesel, who was also in the show. Do you think Vin is short show. for Vinelius? Yes, absolutely. I. So here's the thing: when I proposed that we, and I'm going to belabor this point pretty heavily, when I proposed that we watch the final episode, turned out in this case to be two episodes because I am willing to forsake the construct of a series, but I will honor the integrity of a two-parter. When I pitched the idea that we should watch the very last episode of this show, I really did presume some things would have materially changed. Yeah, um, so we, I think we had like some predictions. We thought we thought the series would play more to the tropes of the movies, where each new villain or someone in the villain crew would like join the uh, the Fast and Spy Melia. Um, like for instance, we, we thought the, the, the antagonist of season one, whose name I think was like Sashi or something like that. Sure. I, we thought he would join the crew cause he seemed to have redeemed himself. Um, he was nowhere to be seen. It was not mentioned even one time, <laughs> not even in the slightest. Now I will say maybe these last two episodes were weird because they did in dialogue talk about a lot of things that seemed really interesting they talked about moray's volcano and someone named matsuo who controlled robots through meditation yeah that that was also that was two really cool moments um another cool moment was when echo who had not been in the episode thus far was revealed to be with miss nowhere escorting what seemed to be a human person but it was later revealed to be a super soldier ai driven robot to a secret facility to be put to rest forever and she so eloquently you know nutshelled it we accidentally created the greatest weapon on earth we have to make sure it doesn't get out it's (laughs) all of this happening off screen so i mean that's just amazing for me i i do genuinely feel like we we really bungled this because it it does seem like interesting stuff happened. But yes, there's a super soldier AI robot lady named Dan. <laughs> Anyone can have any name. Yeah, uh, yeah. There was just a lot of stuff that was generally alluded to that was surprising. They still got the gadgets. What's so cool to me, I was surprised every time this happened because in season one, they had gadgets attached to the cars and that was so cool and season six leaps and bounds we've jumped they've got gadgets on themselves 
So many gadgets. So a many cloak grappling of hooks. Invisibility, a that grappling cool. hook, magnet gloves. Magnet gloves, which I'm like, what well, you know, I feel like that could translate over well <laughs> like to the main Fast and Furious series. Because they do jump from car to car quite often. I think like magnet gloves might come in handy. I, I really think they would. Of course, this episode starts with a movie premiere. Yes. Um, a movie premiere for a movie which I found much more interesting than what was <laughs> happening in the episode we watched. Now, how I I have some theories. I need to I need to know your thoughts. Mm-hmm. The limo in this movie. In limo three. In limo three, the the stretching. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's I, I think that is actually what it's called, right? Yes, it is. It, so it's sentient. It's also a cyborg. So it's part human, and it can stretch. Uh huh. What is this car? <laughs> Wait, hold on. What do you mean? What is it? I. It's it's sentient. It's part human, and it can stretch. What fucked up mad scientist was like? <laughs> you know what? You know uh, what my stretch limo needs. Human, human, a human soul. Well, well, here's what's crazy. It's it's also uh, seemingly piloted or at least inhabited by another car. Yeah, that was that another was another car huge... that once again also blinks its headlights to indicate that it's sentient. Yeah, um, pretty pretty amazing. Uh, you know, I really feel like we could have dropped some of the plot and focused more on this fascinating uh, movie that uh, p- people were showing up to, to watch. Yeah. They were showing up to the Chinese theater <laughs> to, uh, to watch limo three. Now I have a, I have another limo three theory. Okay. What is it? Do you think limo three is a fun intertextual or metatextual joke about the fast and furious movies? I think maybe so. Um, I mean, there were some elements of that film that, that struck a chord, a truthful chord, like guys running up to the driver one at a time to get punched out and cars doing impossible things. Yeah, I, I feel like, for what it's worth, the the writing quality of Fast and Furious Spy Racers tells me that if that's true, you know, it's slight. I, d- I don't think that they would deploy, like, any kind of, like, cutting or very nuanced critique of the Fast and Furious movies. But it seems fun that in a in a show where all these people have to show up week after week and write essentially a children's adaptation about dumb car movies that they would put a dumb car movie in it. That feels a little fun. Yeah, that does feel a lot of fun. Um, and I honestly wanted to see more of it. I wanted to know, just uh, add this to the list of things I wanted to know and probably would have learned about if we, if we didn't skip to the end. Um, why was, I want to call him spark plug. Because uh-huh. that's what's on his shirt. I don't know his name. Why was he in the movie? And what, was that his only line? Was that, <laughs> I, I guess that was his only line. It seemed like a weird. What was the context joke. of the line? I he said you must have played shortstop or something. Yeah, in high school. Now but where's why the was cash? He in the movie? Uh, but you know, huge premiere, and of course, 
<laughs> I have in my notes a movie premiere, Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> 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 Which would be really funny if they were going to the movie premiere of a Fast and, and Furious movie. I need to see uh, Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw, Hobbs and Shaw, Shaw kids. <laughs> oh yeah, Hobbs and Shaw babies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would love Hobbs and Shaw babies. Just a tiny Hobbs and a tiny Shaw fighting each other eternally throughout time. I feel like there were two. In my mind, kind of high points of the first season of Spy Racers. One, the the implied existence of mole people in the Fast and Furious universe. Oh, which I, right. I barely remember, but I think someone actually said mole people. Mole people exist. Um, mole people exist. Despite the threat being a uh, setting off of the San Andreas fault through three well-placed explosives, some, you know, the... Threatening the direct domain of said mole people, uh, they were conspicuously absent in this yeah, episode. Yeah, I'm going to say mole people conspicuously silent on the issue of the super soldiers setting off bombs and destroying Hollywood. Now, of course, the second I, thing that well, I hold, think... Hold we, on, oh, hold on. I feel like this could say a lot about the mole people community. Uh, I've got a number of guesses. Maybe they've got a system of you know, precognition and they can, they, they can predict crimes and Mm. arrest people before they commit them. Uh, Maybe they just have good seers or they just trust the Toretto's with such impunity, with such unbroken bondedness that they just knew that little Tony Toretto was going to save the day. I, I think that that is all entirely possible. I take maybe a more pessimistic take in that, you know, everyone says, uh, you know, if I was in Nazi Germany, I would have said something. I think the mole people, just like everybody else, it was easier for them to live conveniently. Ah, they can't so, stand up for anything. So they'll, they, they don't stand up for anything. So they'll dig for everything. All right. Well, I'm, you know, th- these are, t- Questions like these are why I wish the series wasn't canceled after six seasons. Yes, I. Uh, if only it had kept going, we could have watched the the very end of season ten. One of the things that we were very excited about from the first season was, of course, the presence of one Dominic J. Toretto. Yes, who Ooh. is who is he back? And I have to assume. In this last two-parter, this is the only other time Vin Diesel has come back for this show. I I will I would love to second that. I absolutely would love to second that. It just feels that way, right? Because they're like, it's a yeah. clearly a big deal that Dom is at the premiere of Limo 3. Uh he apparently does appear in season five. God damn it. But only season five. So seasons okay. one, five, and six. So just like us, uh huh. He checked out for the majority of the season of the series. Yeah, comes back for the high points for sure. Yeah, I, I want to read this little tidbit in the Wikipedia bio for Vin Diesel for Vin Diesel's Dominic Toretto. Mm-hmm. He is too visibly famous to be doing the missions himself. <laughs> okay, that a couple things there. <laughs> First of all, I don't know 
who Dominic Toretto in the Spy Racers universe is. Hear me out. Me either. Because he's clearly a hugely famous hero, which he definitely is not in the Fast and Furious movies. He is a criminal. Yeah. uh, Kind of off the grid. I don't think people see Dominic Toretto in the street and treat him like a hero. He shows up to movie premieres because he helped a lot of the people in the movie get their start. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, who is this? This is not the Dominic Toretto. Now, of course, it's it's there's, fun there's when he w- says things like, I know every driver in this town. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's one actor in the movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I actor. helped a lot of people in this movie get their start. The driver, the limo. <laughs> every time the, the limo driver punches a guy in the face, Dominic Toretto's like, I got that guy a start. The guy who just got punched. I got him a start. (laughs) (laughs) That's me. I got him a start. That's me. He he owes owes me a million dollars, that man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Because Dominic Toretto is very vain uh, and and, uh, has a a great deal of avarice. But I don't get this. The idea that he's too visibly famous to do the missions is ridiculous. Yeah. um, There's a little spy. I don't know if anybody knows the spy his name is james bond <laughs> yes literally cannot go undercover because he is so well known in the spy community and everyone would just peg him right away because hey oh but uh yeah i feel like dominic toretto could be in a very similar situation and everyone would just be like look i'm getting out of here this guy's gonna get in a car and like fucking use a laser beam to like destroy my house yeah have you seen this guy come on he's he's basically god yeah uh and and tony toretto has this kind of heart to heart with dom that has one of the most (laughs) demented bits of dialogue that i've uh, (laughs) seen in recent memory and that tony is saying how sad he is that he's not a spy anymore yeah that was fascinating (laughs) uh, which i'd love to know the story about (laughs) that and also by the way this show even in the first season its definition of spy is really interesting (laughs) Yeah, so, yeah, Tony Toretto, uh, who cannot be more than, let's say, 19, is lamenting he doesn't know what he's going to do with his entire goddamn life. Now that he's not a spy <laughs> now, now that he's no longer a spy. And then, uh, yeah, Dominic comes in with just some really heavy, heavy-handed family messaging. He says being a spy is just part of who you are. <laughs> What what does this universe think a spy is? <laughs> like some type of it's like you're born with it, but also Listen, man, you can you've learn always, it. You've always been a spy in your heart. <laughs> I I think um, one of the more demented parts of that speech is like you're the leader of this family, and you're always gonna be the leader of this family. They're gonna need you, and it's like they're the youngest one of them is like thirteen. They're gonna grow up and drift apart, Dom. They're not yeah. going to stay together. You're always going to be the the leader. It's so. It's these people are criminals. <laughs> Look, man. After this premiere, you should probably go into hiding. You've done a lot of weird shit over the years. Uh, does spy just mean person who works for the government? Which I don't think the the nobodies. I don't right? think they're government, right? I, they're, I, they're I like think they're extra like, paramilitary. 
they're um they're like deniable assets. They're like the CIA's CIA. They're black right. ops. They're not high on the rung of the intelligence community for sure. Yeah, they're they're doing wet work. <laughs> Mrs. Yeah. Nobody is out there shooting people in the head through their pillows. And let's not forget that every time Dom has worked for these Mr. Nobodies, they are coerced. Yes, they are forced, <laughs> actually, most of the time, in very unpleasant situations to work for these people. Yeah, it's like every time Dom shows up in this show, is Mr. Nobody, like, in the background with a pistol to Letty's head, like, <laughs> go encourage your cousin to do a mission for us. We'll kill everyone you love and arrest you. Please get your <laughs> 18-year-old cousin to put on a hang gliding suit. <laughs> and murder a fucking tech billionaire. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I, I truly don't know what this show's messaging is around what these kids do, because at least in Fast and Furious, they're like, they're criminals and that's not cool. And they're kind of eternally on the run, which adds a, a nice air of mystique to it. But like, I, I, I mean, the show's for kids. I, I can't criticize that too much. Yeah. I guess I, the action choreography in this show seems to have gotten better at least. The racing, I think, really stays out. Anytime they're in a car is pretty good. Um, I do question the tactics of, like, we're going to race to the movie theater, and then they immediately split up. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to take a turn away from the the (laughs) most direct route so I can have my own little race. The the classic (laughs) way to win a race, to go around (laughs) the other person. Yeah, yeah, um, pretty pretty cool. Um, but yeah, all the car stuff was so good to the point where um, Jamie, who was watching this with me, had a really good critique of, I think, the Fast and Furious series as a whole. Um, and that is one of the only valid criticisms you can have about the series is, is it, it would have been better if they were in a vehicle. Yeah. Pretty All much. of this walking around and talking and like dodging laser bullets and like fighting hand to hand, all of that throw cut that out and just put everyone in some type of vehicle. Maybe uh this is this is an aside, but you can also tell the action choreography generally seems to be a little bit better as the season went on, but you could tell that this isn't like a big sp- bender for uh for dreamworks i suppose because in every scene where like a gr- two people are talking amidst a group there's not even like a breathing cycle animation for the people who are talking they're just standing there stock still <laughs> and there's a particularly egregious one i think when sissy or no when frosty <laughs> these characters when frosty is talking to like some other director maybe like the director of limo and all the other characters are standing there totally still basically t-posing amazing and and you can tell that it had been going on slightly (laughs) too long because tony then has like they they try to give him some animation to show that he's alive but he just like really quickly jerks his head up and down (laughs) (laughs) it's uh really weird there was no second pass on that scene. They no. did, like, you know, focus is, is where it is, and we got to move on. <laughs> it, it rendered. <laughs> move on. Move on. No, no second takes. Let's. Like, we got to get to the next. The next scene. This yeah. is very important. But you know, when when it's revealed that the plan of the Dans and the um, 
totally faceless other two super soldiers, which that's fun, right? To have a yeah. character that I have to assume uh, this entire season focused on since they're trying to like put this super soldier to bed forever. Um, to have most of the interactions happen with totally faceless uh, yeah. super soldiers, which are interchangeable with each other and stand-ins for the bad guy. That's good storytelling, right? It's, re- it's especially fun because they can't talk. Yeah. I mean, it's not like Dan talks a couple times. I don't know what Dan's got going on as a character. I truly don't, other than she seems to be kind of British. Yeah, the crazy part was I did not pick up on the British accent until, like, the very, the last word she said. I was like, did she suddenly become British? What? Is this just supposed to be Cypher? Is this supposed to be action Cypher? She looked like Cypher, huh? That's, I noticed yeah. that. She looked a little bit like Cypher. I don't know if that's me trying to read stuff in, or, like, they wanted a villain they could, like, throw into the, the trunk of a car and have them be okay, question mark. I just wish, I just wish that some characters from the movies had any amount of carryover. That the, that this yeah. would feel at all related to the movies, other than the fact that Dom is in it. But you know, for what it's worth, that um, that first episode does end with Dan ostensibly blowing herself up. Yeah. Uh, so that's cool. That's that's a Pretty character. Cool. That's seemingly at the time like a character death. Some stakes stuff. Yeah, that's one big, so that's the only one that really has, it doesn't even really have weight, because you just move on to the next set piece. All of the high-tension moments in this finale were played to nothing. They, oh, absolutely nothing in this show has any weight or any real stakes yeah. or ever feels like anything is happening. Full disclosure, during a, a pretty... I guess important fight. I was checking my bottle of kombucha I just drank to see how much caffeine was in it because I was so bored. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, t- to really highlight and demonstrate this point, there, there's a moment they they deactivate and reprogram the two super soldier cyborg oh, robots. I have so many questions about this. I. <laughs> The immediate beat after that, Tony Toretto is is just kind of throw, tossing this bomb up. He accidentally sets it off. And for a good three seconds go by if this thing, act, you know, about to go off before he goes, hey, guys, what does this beeping mean? And instead of anyone being freaked out that he's holding a live bomb, like the sassy southern girl with her arms you know, crossed and her like, I can't believe this face is like, why did you arm the bomb? And it's like, that's a live, does no one care? (laughs) I, uh, I think there's a couple things to talk about specifically with that. The, the writing and particularly the dialogue in this is not good because I think for the most part, like, uh, children's entertainment is kind of poisoned and, and ruined now because like, if you ever watch anything that's aimed at kids that isn't like Coco Melon, which for what it's worth, I think Fast and Furious Spy Racers is probably like two steps above Coco Melon. Okay. Uh, but if you watch anything that's like written for kids, it has all been so thoroughly like Marvel poisoned or Whedon pilled. 
<laughs> like no nothing for kids nothing. that that I've seen yeah. around kids is like earnest or sincere or scary or sad or funny. It's all just like so terminally sarcastic, self-aware, eye roll, tongue in cheek that like we're raising a generation of serial killers. We have to be like I don't know. When I was a kid, I watched a lot of things that were not afraid to be sad or or didactic or interesting. And now it's just like, yeah, everything's expected. Everything's a fucking joke. Even the very part of the very end of this show, when they're like talking about the feelings they have for each other. And we'll get into that later. But like, if a kid had been watching this, they would have been watching it for two years and, would have gone on some kind of journey with these characters, right? But they just can't be honest about anything. And no kid's television is being honest. It's all just jokes. Yeah. And I I think that's the real, there's no weight to this series finale because it's every moment is undercut with just, and honestly, bad jokes or non jokes, things that aren't even jokes. Like, Gary trying to explain about lasers and stuff and Mrs. Nowhere just pretending to snore. And that is done thrice. It takes up four, five minutes. And it's, 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 it, if that's supposed to be humorous, I just don't see it. It takes so long. And it's, it's the same kind of humor that this show trots out again and again, which it just feels mean spirited. <laughs> Yeah. Like it 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 feels like offensive and knowing and mean-spirited in a way that I just don't agree with. If if you're a kid, you watch this every single thing that happens, you know it's not going to have any weight cuz a character has to chime in with some kind of chide or barb that belittles another person. It's the poisonous writing, yeah. especially if it's aimed at kids. It's super... I didn't intend to yell about this, but I get so <laughs> mad about it watching this show. Yeah, it's super toxic because when a character finally does reveal like her feelings and uh, it's just played for a joke. And then she's like, I hate you guys. And it's like, yeah, I believe her because that you you got a real confession out of her and now we're it's like aha what a fucking idiot <laughs> yeah and you can read it going into that scene cuz there's like uh melodramatic music playing in the background it's priming kids to think oh this is silly and unnecessary and ridiculous what this person is you know bearing their soul about their feelings about their friends and that's like haha fuck you for having feelings yeah Every time anything happens in this show, every kid has to be watching and be like, oh, something just happened. How is this person going to get bullied for what just happened? And it's going to be hilarious when this person gets bullied. This is a bully show. Yeah. I I mean, mean, one thing that really stood out to me was Tony Toretto that dumb in season one? No, I really don't think... (laughs) Tony Toretto's uh, uh, Tony Toretto's really been Homer pilled in, in, in the intervening yeah. five seasons. He's been he's been Homer fied in six seasons or five seasons. Really, he went from like a brave kind of some sometimes sh- short sighted thrill seeker to just a complete and total goofball that 
it, it, it's a wonder that they did anything in those intervening years. Yeah, like the first season, I feel like you saw like some growth because he had to like grow into the role of a spy and take on true responsibility to take down that billionaire, weird kind of Elon Musk, Palmer, lucky stand in. And in this show, he's like, ha ha, steering wheel is round. Yeah. Oh, no, the bomb. Oh, what's this mean, guys? Yeah. Ha, it's, ha, can we ha, talk about the robot ha. thing for... Uh, what, one what, what, second the dan one the no when the two robots get emp'd then like rewritten I, I, which is, what, is yeah. something that is built up over the course of 15 minutes and then they just like do it do a dance yeah. where it's clearly a song that was written for this which is a song that's very quietly saying hamster dance do the hamster dance and then they're saying, oh, they're doing the hamster dance. Do you think they, do you think whoever wrote this thought they could get the rights to the actual <laughs> hamster dance music and would like actually make them do the hamster dance? Or is this, uh, has the world so thoroughly forgotten the hamster dance that this is like a new thing? I don't know. I really don't. I, I, do you I think, I, I guarantee you the original pitch for this in the writer's room was we want to make, make them do a TikTok dance. Right. No, I'm he, like, sure. takes a cell phone apart to get the code. And then it's just this fucking thing. I'm sure it was like a, like a, a not a stand in, but like a placeholder. Like, okay. And they do a dance, you know, kind of like that hamster dance thing that was popular. And then like, no one ever topped it. Or, or went back to revise it and like, oh, the animator gets the notes. It's like, okay, he does the hamster dance. What the fuck is that? Looks it up and then <laughs> like, okay. And then like by the time it got to the, like the music person, they're like, well, we can't get the hamster dance. That's what they're like. Expensive. Oh, well, they look it up. They're like, oh, the, you know, bada dee da dee da dodo. That'll cost like $15. We can't do that. Yeah. So, and she's like, okay, well, can you come up with like a, like a sound alike and it's like no <laughs> but, <laughs> it, 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 I, I can make a weirdly down tempo song yeah. with someone whispering hamster dance do the hamster dance uh i'm signing off on it that's good that's great <laughs> let's that get this shit out i gotta scene, get the lunch folks that won't make the scene weird and unbearable at all i th like and the revelation that frosty has was like oh Mat Masudo Mori had to meditate to control his tech. So that means I'm going to make them dance. <laughs> yeah. They're like, we need to deploy an EMP. And they say, we used an EMP before and it didn't work because this one guy meditated and they also had spe special protections against an EMP. They're like, oh, well, if we make them do a dance, the EMP will work. <laughs> then it cuts to Tony is like, Cut the math talk, Brainiac. <laughs> hey, fucking nerd. <laughs> he, he's giving the absolute most batshit dumbed down version of a plan that doesn't even make any sense in yeah. totally plain English. And it cuts to Tony. He's like, whoa, enough with the computers. Son. Hey, man. 
is there a car in this plan? <laughs> I think, once again, this is another poisonous thing that exists in all media, but especially children's media, is whenever anyone says anything in plain English with, like, steps and systems involved, some other character always has to be like, whoa, 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 put the calculator down, Einstein. Yeah. Explain it to me in layman's terms. I, so I think the Star Trek approach was always the best approach where somebody did, you know, they, they, they went too technical and then another character translated it through metaphor so that the audience would understand instead of like, whoa, give me that in English. They're like, oh, yeah, like doing this. And that person would be like, exactly, except more complicated. Yeah, it's yeah. like explaining a wormhole and then doing the pencil through paper analogy. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so that is another way in which the show is toxic. I did not assume this episode would be me coming down on this show being toxic, but here uh, we yeah. are. I do want to say one of the things that I remember us talking about, we applauded the show for its very unique anti-tech bent that it went on in season one. And I'm so happy to see here in the series finale Technology is still the enemy. <laughs> yes, it is uh, not changed. Technology is still the enemy. However, the enemy du jour uh, has uh, translated to this show, which is AI. Yeah. Uh, you know, you don't trust AI, which I also feel like AI was kind of the enemy in the first one, but it was also like a set of I, goggles that let you hack everything. Right. And a, a point I thought should maybe have come up is... Um, They've got these super cyborg soldiers who are corrupted by AI, and I feel like a good weapon against that might be a set of goggles yeah, that lets why you hack everything. Why don't you use the magic hacking goggles that only worked because everything was like IoT connected or AI and right. you could control it? I mean, that was the whole point. That was the whole point. It's like I, there were. I feel like there were opportunities to bring more things back into the show for the series finale, right? And uh, it just fell short because they got so focused on just having this Dan thing come back. And like, I, I mean, I briefly kind of looked over some of the synopsis for the other seasons. And it, it seems like the, there were other villains uh, that are named here. They were named also in the episode, uh, Matsumori and, and whoever, the guy with the volcano. Like, there are other people they could have brought back in some form or fashion. But it seems like they did that in previous seasons. So for some reason, they didn't do it. And this season? I I mean, maybe it's like you can't get those voice actors again or something. But well, that, I mean, that's uh, the beauty of animation. Yeah. They don't have to talk. They can just be present. That's one or of just the... just different people. Who cares? Right. No one's paying that close attention. Again, it's a kid's show. They're not going to be like, well, that guy didn't sound like he used to. But even then, like, even if like, oh, we can't get them, it's like, well, but put them in the background. Make them pull a lever or something. Like, they're the bad guys are coming together to like this didn't feel series finale it just felt like an episode yeah it felt like so here's not every show can be gargoyles or batman the animated series i understand that those are unique artistic endeavors but i mean 
let's stick to computer generated shows. Every show could be a reboot, maybe. Yeah. You know, reboot that Canadian show about yeah, no. the people who live in the. I think reboot is absolutely what shows like this should aspire to, in that it was funny, not funny now because I'm an adult uh, and it sucks. But like, <laughs> there were stakes, characters died, there was a time skip. Yeah, a character a time who skip. was a kid grew up, and then the main character came back and was like a weird Matrix Neo guy real stuff like changed in that hideously animated <laughs> show with characters named megabyte and gigabyte i honestly thought we were dealing with a bit of a time skip here because frosty who notoriously could not drive in the other seasons was finally had finally gotten his driver's license yes I'm that like, is oh. character growth that is a good call yeah. out i thought maybe there was a time skip it, it wasn't assisted in any way shape or form by any of the other characters because if anything, they all sort of regressed. I don't think Cisco does one thing in this entire two-part episode. His yeah, name's Cisco. I mean, Frosty does something, but other than that, most of the characters just kind of hang around or drive or kick people. Why wasn't Echo at the movie premiere? I don't know. I why do these things ha- Why do they have to be happening concurrently? I just did. Didn't how long sense. how long can we can we ride the relationship tension between uh what's his name Mr. Tony, T- Tony oh. Toretto and a southern girl whose voice I swear was more southern than it was in this episode. You know how long we can ride it for exactly 6 seasons. 52 episodes, yeah. And then it doesn't go anywhere. Even yeah, amazing. Then. Even then, like even at the at the very end, they're just like, "Oh no, we're all just really good friends," even though we flirt constantly. Now, of course, we we do have Mrs. Nobody and some guy getting married at the end. Yeah, uh, that might be. Um, that might be palindrome. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it maybe it's palindrome oh real quick we do need to i'd like to cap this off by talking about the wedding because there are things to get into there okay but i do want to talk about the final appearance of dom when they finally defeat dan and he says incredible lines such as so this is a spy mobile <laughs> and well- i don't know how to work that car uh, Dominic Toretto, by the way, a man who used a magic magnet car. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a spy car. Because um, you, you spymobiles, totally different thing. We need we need to dive into the scene more, and we will. I do want to back up. Yes, just slightly. Uh, an earthquake has been triggered by a bomb underneath the streets of Hollywood, California. Good uh, buildings are shaking. Uh, people are rushing out of a theater. People are randomly standing for some reason, and a, a a billboard begins to shake. Yes, of course, of course, the billboard. I didn't have this in my notes, but yes, the billboard is falling with at must be terminal velocity. I'm sorry, it was falling very hard. Yeah, and it suddenly stopped, and we we pull out, we zoom out to reveal that regular human Dominic Toretto. <sighs> has stopped a falling metal billboard at terminal velocity from crushing people with his bare fucking hands. Yes. 
a a billboard that must weigh thousands of pounds. Yeah, because it was it creaked. It creaked like a metal sign would creak. That didn't yes. it didn't didn't feel like cardboard falling down. Didn't feel like wood either. That was a metal fucking sign that he just catches this is and he doesn't catch it with effort it stops dead above people's heads yep um and you know no notes this is dominic toretto's single greatest feat of strength yeah it's way more than anything he's done in any of the movies it is just bar none over the top insanity that regular human being dominic toretto has the strength of five men <laughs> oh i'm gonna say 20 men 20 remember when 20 it was, men remember when it was crazy where they're like man dominic toretto can pick up the back end of a car yeah and now he's catching a billboard before it crushes children with ease with ease like it's no big deal. he's not even straining when he talks he's like get out of here i got this billboard <laughs> He's like, I got this. They had to find a way to get me out by lunch, so I only got <laughs> ten lines. I had to get uh, distracted by this. Yeah. So, yeah. And then <laughs> that last scene between him and Tony, where Tony ends up back at the theater for some reason, and Dominic is like, yeah, I had nothing better to do, so I just stayed at the theater the whole time. <laughs> L.A. was exploding, but I just hung out at the Chinese theater. You know, if this was, like, one of my movies, I would have, like, driven around, stopped the bad guy. But, like, they they restarted Limo 3, and I didn't see how it ended. <laughs> I had to see how it ended. Uh, so this scene culminates in the uh, villain Lamus. of this entire series. Yeah. Uh, getting conked out on the rear bumper of a vehicle and dying. <laughs> <laughs> it's the lamest fight ever. Like, I don't, maybe a single punch is thrown. Uh, Dominic Toretto looks like he has never been in a fight in his entire life. Yes, it is a very weird, weak choreography. He goes up to the car, he hits a button to make it shit all over the ground, <laughs> and then looks at Tony Toretto. They and, nod. Like, gives him a down nod, like, killer <laughs> <laughs> fucking wasted and then they, they proceed to like push her together and she just like falls over <laughs> like this is an ai this is a cyborg super soldier it can just be pushed to the ground it, it was pushed to the ground and then i think it trips over dominic's dom's leg conks its head on the rear bumper <laughs> dies fucking dies just dies and says toto reto reto <laughs> And I, and I honestly, I, I gotta say though, if you're writing this show, right? Yeah. You're a writer. You're a writer, ostensibly. If you, if you write the final conflict of Fast and Furious spy races, and you know anything about the Fast and Furious universe, you know that family is not just the family you're born into, but it's the family you choose. And family is a concept, a construct that is more powerful than anything on Earth. So obviously the last most climactic fight in the series would be a fight not just with Tony and Dom Toretto, but with all of his friends together to prove that they are greater than the odds and they can overcome anything through the power of family. No, it's just Tony and Dom killing a cyborg with some yeah. car shit. It's just some really grainy world star footage of like entitled like 
two men beat up helpless girl. <laughs> yeah, it's just they just beat her up in a weird, unglorious way until she hits her head on a bumper and dies <laughs> with weird bloodshot eyes, like strangely graphic. Yeah. Um. And and you know, at this point, Dom should just get the full full you know close up and just go. Well, I've never beaten up no robots before. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, But he does get the amazing one-liner, looks like I figured out how to work your car. (laughs) And then, I think, the most hollow words ever said in my viewing of this show, Tony Toretto going, wow, I finally fought a bad guy with you. I've always wanted to do that. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's incredible. Totally, like, undersells any character transformation or arc (laughs) that Tony went through. Everything just... I think this show... It the thesis statement it's making here is that everything just serves to be fan service to Dominic Toretto. Like yeah. you just watch the show with the express interest of Dom coming back, and that happens three times. Yep, it. it I don't know. And, and for introducing Sissy, I hope she did more in the series because in this episode she showed up and then left. And questioned Dominic Toretto for some reason. That's fun. Father, daughter, get some lines, get paid. One of the next um, unanswered questions that I really feel is a biggest tragedy uh, that the series is now over is we never got to find out mermaids are unicorns. We never get to find out which he prefers, but we all know it's unicorns. You know? You know why? Why? Only one of them has horsepower. You ride, you fight. <laughs> you ride, you fight. Oh, I... There are two scenes. There are two scenes to discuss. One we will discuss shortly because we shit all over it. Yeah. Rightly. But there's a final, like, familia ending. No Coronas because, again, it's a kid's show. No Coronas. <laughs> there appears to be, like, a six-pack of Red Bull on the table or something. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, which is, you know, child Corona. Uh, but they have that terribly toxic conversation where they make fun of someone for sharing their feelings. But I do want to call out, it is a cookout ending. It is a cookout ending for for absolutely sure. It does keep in, in, in spirit of Fast and Furious. It gives us the cookout ending. I, I appreciate that. They talk about family a little bit. I have a very long rant in my notes about how Joss Whedon ruined media. <laughs> uh, and then... The final scene. Yes. This, which I actually have kind of strong feelings about. Okay. The, yeah. A wedding scene. We don't know where we are. Uh, there are lights on the walls. Everybody seems to be wearing colorful, bright suits. Uh, they're questioning why they have to wear the suits. And it's revealed it's the only thing they all have that matches, which is that's pretty truthful. They're kids. Uh-huh. Uh, then it's revealed that uh, we're here for a wedding. It's Mrs. Nowhere's wedding. She's marrying somebody. Finally, after all these years. Nobody is marrying somebody with a beard who something about Moray's volcano. There's a drone priest. Stockholm syndrome. Oh, yeah. There's that very weird Stockholm syndrome. What state what happens in Stockholm syndrome stays in Stockholm syndrome. Uh, A lot of questions raised there. Uh, And then what do you want to talk about the scene for? 
Uh, so I want to talk about the scene in a couple ways in that it teases a larger universe that I'm really upset we didn't get to see. They talk about Moray's volcano. Who's Mrs. Nobody marrying? Why is she marrying them? Comes out uh, of nowhere, too. Like, absolutely not <laughs> foreshadowed in any way, shape, or form. And they say, bring out the ring bear, and it's a dog, and everyone knows who that dog is! Uh, yeah, and they all go, aww. They're like, aww, and they're like, aww, ring bear. I'm like, what's that fucking dog story? That's a good question. I need to know that dog story. He's not on the Wikipedia. And then the show does... Literally the only thing I liked watching the entire two-parter is the wedding was taking part in a troop carrier. And the surprise at the end of the wedding is they all get to halo jump out of it to chase a super soldier that they released to catch. I'm sure that super soldier is like trying to blow up LA. (laughs) Like It's not like they just released it and then it was like normal. Yeah, no, no, it's still trying to do the mission. It just doesn't have any bombs. <laughs> we, we we released it. It blew up an air one. Uh, Twelve <laughs> people are dead. Anyway, go go there. I think th- the in in a show that had written to this better and actually had things happen in this finale, the really cringy song that plays, sure. But over them, like, halo jumping out of the wedding of Mrs. Nobody with, like, big explosions going up, that's cool. That feels like if the show had earned that, that's a really cool way to end that show. Yeah, that's a sequence that says, oh, hey, I might want to watch more of this show because it's cool. And uh, by a song that plays, oh, do you mean Chasing Legacy performed by Shailen Becton and Thaville? Yeah, that is what I mean. Yeah, that's the that's the ending theme of the show. They played it in the episode so that you knew that the series was ending. I I just think that like watching it, my my one thought is this feels like an earned ending to a series that did not earn it. Like if I saw that after the end of like a good six seasons or even an entertaining six seasons, I'd be like, you know what? I feel pretty good about that. But it just comes out of nowhere, and it just kind of sucks. Yeah, you know, ride out, got the whole squad out. Yeah, we go on the go, ghost ride the whip is our tire smoke, and the crew stay tight. Yeah, everybody low. We just having fun, because this is how we roll. Because they can't hold us, stay so focused. Streets they made us, never slow up. Got your back for life. The bond can't be broke. We didn't come to lose, so we doing the most. Now, I do have to say, I looked up these lyrics on Genius, and uh, if no one knows what Genius is, it used to be called Rap Genius, uh, but it allows you to add uh, annotations to lyrics to help explain maybe some of their more Baroque meanings. And the meaning on Gut Your Back for Life, the bond can't be broke, the annotation reads, this line means that they, the characters, always have each other and are ready to have their friends or families backs. <laughs> Yeah, no, I actually, I just found the uh, the annotation for Chase and Legacy, the titular line of the song. 
Uh, chasing legacy refers to the fact that they, the characters and writers in the series, are chasing their legacy or being great racers, as outlined by all the Fast and Furious movies, as well as Tony, one of the characters' relations to Dom Toretto, who is portrayed as a great driver in several movies in the franchise. Oh my god, blowing this case wide open. <laughs> I just, it's amazing. They really connected the dot between Tony Toretto and Dominic Toretto. <laughs> I also really love that all the lyrics in the song have no meaning. From nothing to something, get the whole city buzzing. Never hate it. We love it. It's all family running. It started off with a dream. They never stop in the team. We going all the way up because we kings and queens have to fight our way in, pushing through the limits. They didn't think we could do it, but my crew stay with it. We move in country to country. The whole world is our throne. It doesn't matter where we go because family is home. Oh, oh, ah, oh, ah, we run the world (laughs) like a family, family, Family. spinning out, because we ride out, ride out, chasing legacy. (laughs) Incredible. Uh, Every Uh, day we're loving, fighting, pushing, surviving. This song sucks. No, what? This song really, I think, encapsulates the, the entire series in which there are identifiable units of language and units of art here. There's when, kind of a theme. And when you put all of them together, it resembles what it's supposed to. We we This resembles a TV show. That song resembles a, a song. But when you really narrow in, when you really focus up, uh, you, you realize there is nothing here. There is nothing. <laughs> Whereas... Uh, Fast and Furious. What's what's the name of the Universal Studios ride? Oh, you went on it. Fast and Furious Unleashed or something? Uh, give me like an hour. Fast and Furious Universal. Is it called Supercharged? Fast and Furious Supercharged is, of course, the Fast and Furious Simulation, whereas Fast and Furious Spy Racers is, of course, the Fast and Furious Simulacrum. Absolutely, yes. Thank you, Derrida. And also thank (laughs) you for spending the last 15 years of your life writing about your cat. (laughs) Great work, Derrida. Okay. You ever read those essays from Derrida about how he uh, he talks about how you should meet your cat's gaze and do you really have consent to look at an animal and oh, should wow. we be primarily concerned with how animals feel or how they think? It's actually really interesting stuff. Okay. I did not know that. Uh, check out Derrida's work. <laughs> if you liked Fast and Furious Spy Racers, you will love Derrida. And I, I just want to give a quick shout out to whoever is curating the Wikipedia for Fast and Furious Spy Racers because a lot of detail in the episode synopsis for season one and season two. But whoever got assigned seasons three, four, five, and six, I just want to applaud you for not doing a goddamn thing. <laughs> I, I like to think it was always the same person. They just uh, gave up. Who was like, yeah, I just can't do this anymore. But hey, they stuck with it for a season longer than we did. True. Uh, Also, the overall plot synopsis, um, they they give like a one-sentence synopsis for each season. Uh, And it's great because uh, I'm just going to read season sixes to show you where whoever wrote this ended up with the series. Please. 
In season six, the team returns to fighting against an old nemesis in a showdown that takes them all the way back to Los Angeles. (laughs) Amazing. Means essentially nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Now, uh, I know that at the end of all of these supplemental readings, we do, of course, have to render some kind of judgment. That's true. Uh, We've got... Oh, I never posted that. the, the, The very helpful graphic that somebody made for us um and by somebody i mean first thank you first for making thank the you graphic. first for the uh superfluous and charming dendrogram yeah the dendrogram graphic why can't i pick zero credits for my email please just bring up the gmail i swear i'm not dumb all right yeah so we've got this very nice scale uh of course it goes it ranges it's a spectrum from gotta have less of it to the null state in the very center to the very end of the spectrum gotta have more of it but in this case john we know for a fact there won't be more yes uh so we we even if we wanted to say gotta have more of it that would just be plaintively screaming at a godless sky exactly so for the purposes of this rating and other such ratings where we know for a fact there will not be more of it, we cannot pick the gotta have more of it option. Okay, understood. So that's, that's really going to limit my choices, but I understand. Yeah, so we, we, not, you've got tons of choices. You've got everything between gotta have less of it to the null state to love it. Yes, so I'm, I'm of course, going to... Uh, Weigh my opinion on Fast and Furious Spy Racers, a show that I would describe as uh, a thorn in my side for far too long. <laughs> I know. Um, I'm, I'm really a, a a sword of Damocles hanging above my head for t- for four, three, four years. Uh, and um, a show that I just did not like <laughs> almost at all. And I'm going to give it my most damning rating of yeah. gotta have less of it. So you, I wish it didn't exist. <laughs> you would actively come up with a very full-fledged heist, including assembling an entourage-style team with very spe- specific skills for the sole purpose of breaking into Netflix's servers and deleting just this show off of the system. Yes, and if I could do that and erase this show from the minds of children where it has done, I have to assume, some amount of material harm, I would do that as well. I can't wait until the political discourse shifts such that we start talking about the Spy Racers generation. Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) Generation Spy. Yeah, they're raised by Spy Racers specifically. Like, forget Coco Melon, forget... What's the one, the bald kid, Kalu? Caillou. Forget Caillou. Forget all that. It's Spy Racers. That's the reason why nobody wants to work anymore. We will genuinely have a generation that was raised by Netflix, and I have to assume they will be raised by Spy Racers, and then we will face, Henry, a generation of very cruel adults with magnet gloves, and I do not want to live <laughs> in the future. And as for my rating, I have thought long and hard about this. Um, I am a bit sad that we are finally doing this because one, I'm taking an arrow out of my quiver. I'm taking a joke out of my repertoire. It was always fun to wave out this series 
as a threat to John when he got out of line. And it's it's gonna be gone now, and I'm gonna have to find new ways to torture you, John. Now, I, I did say it was hanging over my head like the sword of Damocles, so I agree that that is what the uh, that is what the situation was. Exactly. I just and I I'm really busy these days. It's gonna take a while for me to find a new threat. So while I will miss it, I do have to acknowledge that it was not just torturous for John. I must reveal if 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 you could not infer by now, I did not enjoy this at all. I, <laughs> I did, there was no, I I swear I watched this show with like the biggest frown I could muster. <laughs> and, like, I I have to reiterate that I generally like a lot of things I watch, and I very rarely <laughs> dislike almost every second of something as much as i disliked this i i mean i i'm a person who goes to uh operation fortune rue de guerre by guy ritchie in theaters right now and i generally have a good time watching that even though a lot of people seem to hate it uh that being said i hated this I think we both as people aren't keen to hate. Yeah. So the scenario is you're in your garage drinking a beer, hating this show. And you're you're just speaking out loud like, we got to get rid of it. And the camera pans over to me. And I'm right there with you. I'm like, I know just the guy to get us started because this is a got to have less of it. We are breaking into Netflix. (laughs) Yes. I, I, I'm down for that heist. I will throw tear gas into the air ducts. And I will repurpose the lasers that were being used to reprogram the AI so that they shoot bursts of laser bullets at our enemies. Because that's how lasers work. Yes. It's they they can they can shoot they can go from essentially delivering information via fiber optics to shooting lasers. Uh, you know, maybe the greatest sin, the science of this children's show doesn't really <laughs> hold up. No one once gets hit by a laser to see if it hurts. So I'm under the impression that they're just very fancy, like flashlights. Yeah, they they just don't hurt. They just don't <laughs> but, hurt. But people think they might. You can't show a bullet. Might as well show, might as well show a laser. And that, I think, finally, our quest, John. We have covered the end of spy racers and on to greener pastures i don't know what they'll be yet we'll figure it out uh but for now i i think the only thing we can do is say goodbye to spy racers fuck that show god i hated it we're going to say goodbye to spy racers uh we're gonna send it off in a viking funeral uh but not so much a viking funeral except uh we will light it on fire and then walk away yes and of course uh Gently playing in the background will be a minor key version of Chasing Legacy by Shaylin <laughs> Becton and The Ville. I want that to exist. Oh, oh, ah, uh, oh, ah, uh, oh, ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> if you have opinions you want to send us about this show, man, we are open. The lines are open right now. We'll be answering calls all night. And by calls, I mean send us your thoughts and a very well-worded tweet. Uh, to ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. And John knows what that stands for. That stands for watch the version of this show, but Jurassic Park out now on Netflix. That 
can exist, and I will not entertain any notions that it does. Uh, if you've got a long-form critique of the show, of our critique of the show, or of life in general, please send us that in the form of an email, uh, which – is that – is email chuggy? Oh, email's so chuggy. Oh, well. Zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com is our email. Uh, business inquires only. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, we will not accept anything other than business inquiries. Uh, we're on a number of different podcast applications, including but not limited to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, Good Pods, etc. Wherever you find your podcast and listen to them, if you could do us a huge favor and leave a rating or a review on that service, all it can do is help us out. I'm afraid to click that link. Um, and we won't click that link. Uh, but the most important thing you can do for us is one, never watch spy racers again. Please do not give any feedback in the form of completions or watch throughs to Netflix's algorithm. It could only do us more harm. I'm to swear it's going to rise up and kill us all. Uh, but do tell somebody about the show, uh, and tell them that, Hey, sometimes they do very focused episodes on works of media and entertainment that you can, if you don't want to listen to the regular show, just absorb a movie or a video game or something like that. And then, uh, listen to two people who have thoughts about it. Talk boom. All you got to do is tell somebody about the podcast and we will let your family go. That's right. We were holding them hostage the whole time and coercing you to go undercover to make Dominic Toretto's kid cousin dumber. That was the whole thing. Word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. And, of course, the television show is called Jurassic Park Camp Cretaceous. Nah. Mm -mm. Watch it now. No. It looks just as bad and from everyone. Here at the, uh, God, try to think of anything about this show that stood out to me enough that I could think of anything that I could then end with studios. (laughs) We would like to wish you a happy week. Goodbye. You ride. You fight. Ride your fight, like the man said. Goodbye. Most.